you guys were sort of looked into the different international, like the international regulatory landscape regarding crypto assets or digital assets. Okay, which one do you like and why? <laughs> Wherever our clients are. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to the Encrypted Podcast. Encrypted is the Middle East's first and largest podcast dedicated to blockchain and crypto assets. I'm your host, Ahmed El Balaghi. Now, we all know that cryptocurrency regulations has been a headache for regulators and companies around the world. The OAE and the region has been pretty busy lately with attempts to implementing practical regulatory frameworks. In this episode, we speak to fintech and crypto specialist lawyers, Kukula Ala and Akshata Nam Joshi from Karam Legal in the UAE to discuss how this region is going about regulating this growing and nascent space and what should you do as a crypto company wishing to enter this region. Also, I'd really like to thank those who have been supporting the show. And remember, you could support us in any way possible. You can subscribe, rate and review the show, sharing the podcast on your social media and any other way you feel like supporting. And now on to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Encrypted Podcast. This is a really interesting episode we have today. And joining me here in the new Dubai Future Foundation offices is Nick Watson. Say hello. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Very good. And yourself? I'm very well. I'm loving this new room that we're recording. The sound is going to be better for sure. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. And today we have a special guest from Karam Legal. First up, we have Kukula Alag. Say hello. Hi, everyone. How are you doing? I'm good, and I am as excited as Nick and Ahmed here to be in this new room. Sounds really good, and I wish my office was here. <laughs> and we also have Akshata. Say hello. Hi, everyone. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm super excited. More excited than all the three of you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Let's all check right. our excitement levels. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so could you give a quick background about yourself and, and Karam as well? All right. My name is Kokila, as he mentioned rightfully. Not many people get it right in this part of the world, actually. So thank you, Emmett. And thank you, Emmett and Nick, for actually having us over here. Just to tell you briefly about us, Karm Legal Consultants, we were incorporated last year. We were fortunate enough to be launching it and announcing Karm Legal Consultants as a fintech specialist law firm at the Hague, at the uh, International Court of Justice, a mecca for all lawyers. Like we all dream of going there and Karm was actually born there. So proud moment for all of us and we took a couple of selfies when we were there and just didn't stop. Awesome. <laughs> yes. So Karm came into being because we realized that we as traditional lawyers, I'm a corporate M&A lawyer and have been working in the region for 16 years, saw how the region's actually developing and moving towards adopting new technology, growth in this region. It's no longer just a trading place, but we see such amazing startups and technology and initiatives by the government, by the rulers and even general people. So we saw that in the legal space, there weren't many law firms who were specializing in this. And since I hold my master's of law degree in digital signatures and cryptography law, and I've held it actually for too long. I got it in 2003 from Melbourne, from Monash University. And I waited more than a decade for it to become (laughs) mainstream for people to start talking about technology and law and not just conventional traditions. That's interesting. So has uh, everything that you studied back then, has it so much changed or is it very relevant even it, till this? It's extremely relevant yeah. because when I talked about digital currencies, when we talk about cryptography, mm. 
And we, when we go for trainings or we talk to our clients and we're saying it's not just with blockchain, it's been in existence for more yeah. than 50 years. They've been DocuSign and digital yeah. signatures, laws and Hello regulations yeah. have been there for a very long time. So saying that blockchain is something that has just come out of the blue, like, you know, sometimes that's those the misconceptions that, yeah. you know, we get around and we do what we say. One of our topics in our training is on history of blockchain. Yeah, same. Yes, same I always yeah. have that section as well. History, history of blockchain, history of money, all the time. Exactly. Then they go hand in hand and it's saying that this is a natural mm. evolution of the technology. Yeah. Yes, it's an emerging technology. It's changing the landscape. It's actually changing the mindset yeah. of what we've been thinking about the transactions or human relations should be. I always add a little spiritual and a philosophical angle to blockchain nice. and saying it talks about accountability. Yeah, it we does. We talk about right. transparency, it's accountability. Yeah. So with keeping that in mind, we work with our clients and advise them and not just for startups, but other fintech companies mm. who are in this space and they want to grow more in it. So we realized that just working with the clients on this side is not going to be enough for us. So we started working with a few regulators yeah. also to understand what is in the mindset of a regulator when they're defining yeah. this is what a cryptocurrency should be. This is what a digital wallet should be. So we work very closely and a lot of time we've spent in the last 12 to 13 months is on research. And okay. this research is international research we've done globally. So that's what at term we do. Anything in tech, we may oh. not understand technology that much, but we understand the entire system around technology. I mean, how do you bridge that gap between technology products and taking it out in the market? So mm. not just a good business plan or a market plan, mm. but actually doing your structuring, your corporate governance, what the regulations and how you should be a legally binding or a law abiding company. Sorry, that's such a long introduction. No, it's okay. <laughs> no, it's great. And how about you, Akshata? How do you sort of fit into all of this? I think as long as uh, Kokila, for roughly past two years, we've been super excited about this space. I think what we also tapped mm. into is that entire emotion of UAE and the region as of now to not be perceived as an oil economy anymore. They're really, they're really focusing mm. on being able to ensure that there's innovation, there's technology, they have the right market, they have the right players, and they have the right ecosystem to make it a conducive environment. I think that's where we come in because we are a very homegrown firm. We have, Kukila has been here for 15 years, I've been here for three years. So I think that's, that's the emotion that we have kind of tried to tap into. Okay, great. So let, let's start off with, with sort of the regulatory landscape over here. And I guess this could be considered sort of free advice or whatever. Or what, what we might, <laughs> we what, lawyers never do free what, advice. What we might hear in the next, <laughs> in the next couple of minutes or so. But in, like usually we see so many different companies coming to the UAE and the region trying to sort of expand their operations and particularly in fintech and blockchain. And especially, you know, there's a lot of people outside that see, you know, the UAE is very open, but they don't know much. You know, they don't know sort of the, the details or sort of knowing how to read between the, the lines. And of course, we have ADGM, the Abu Dhabi Global Markets, which are doing quite a bit. I think Bahrain as well. Dubai, to some extent, more so on the blockchain, less on the crypto. How do you basically see the, the landscape currently and how is it progressing? Well, our opinion in this is that we've seen a major progressing in not just the regulations, mm. but implementation of these regulations, okay. seeing licenses being given out, regulators working hand in hand with the new tech companies, be it in the fintech, be it in the crypto or just in blockchain. We've seen sandboxes working very well in this region, which have not been very popular in 
most of the countries around mm. so uae uh, or this region in particular has taken that you know leap of faith and gone ahead and said that these technology companies need to grow out of here so we're not just looking at a technology company mm. just setting up a base here and doing their marketing mm. of their stuff but actually a knowledge transfer and a knowledge share and making uae or in particular in this region including bahrain including saudi arabia oman yeah. egypt all these countries working in this space like now when we speaking you know in the other room they're doing an entire program on artificial intelligence so these are the initiatives which the governments have taken and then the regulations like rightfully you mentioned that in uae adgm was the first one that came out with a consultation paper on icos way back in 2017 then they came out in 2018 their first time the entire framework for operating crypto assets business ocap framework which the version 2 has come out in uh, may 2019 and these are not just coming out with regulations but when you meet with these regulators and you work in getting your clients those licenses or clarity they've got a very hands on approach so you could actually go to a regulator and sit down and explain and they understand what the shortcomings could be and what the future plans of a company are so it's not a very strict approach and saying you can do this and you cannot they're open to it which is happening pretty much we've been in in the legal space for quite some time mostly these are very rigid rules and the regulators don't bend but this is very progressive from not just adgm even with the central bank of bahrain in the whole crypto space they're ready to explore new ideas let the technology grow so that we see as a very positive step coming from this region you mentioned one central bank and everybody else is a offshore zone per uh, se right so, so adgm difc etc etc so where do you see the this dynamic nature coming from but adgm and difc being in their very existence an international financial center so it made tremendous sense for them to take that leap and come out with and accept newer technologies like especially in the crypto space because they meant their entire ecosystem is meant for the growth of new financial systems and cryptos now globally you see the definitions around are yeah. accepted yeah it's no longer a time where we're actually debating and going and we've been yeah. asked that is cryptocurrency legal or illegal we've crossed that stage yeah. and with these regulators coming out with those regulations they further verified that they're on the same path as what say the IMF or the World Bank or ECB have defined that this is a definition of cryptocurrencies then central bank of bahrain yes from a federal legislation to come out with regulations with legislation like that is quite a tremendous achievement for any country not just in this region but globally the approach okay. they've so taken so so can i say that it's it's central bank of bahrain bahrain and abu dhabi that are sort of leading when it comes to crypto regulation yes you could say that but yeah. uh, let's not uh, miss on that we had our scar securities and commodities mm. authorities from uae recently yes. they came out with their entire consultation yes. paper on and just to scar is the local onshore yes. financial regulator yes. yeah yep. it's so the main it's like federal the federal example, yeah. Yeah. Yes. federal regulator it's yeah. a federal regulator and they come out with legislations which are like over the entire country not just for a specific free zone yep. or yeah. like you know so that has been a very progressive approach they in fact went ahead and made it a public consultation opened it to the entire world and saying this is our thought process this is how mm. we're looking at it please add on more to it mm. so we've had clients existing crypto exchanges custodians who reached mm. out to us and said can we do a consultation and 
again a very welcome approach where we could actually go to eska sit down with them and consult and talk about mm. what they've come up and so. talking about eska as it's on the table now they they've gone broad with their approach they've got an open catch all type of a consultation paper yes they've okay. gone pretty broad they've been innovative in some of their definitions how they've looked at it they've also kept in mind the local market mm. okay they've not missed on it they they know the existing exchanges what they've been doing and what all more can be added to the mm. existing exchanges mm. or the existing players who are there globally how can they fit into the system here so they've kept a very balanced or a fair approach some issues are there yes which they would be working on soon mm. so globally if you see a lot of regulators have taken a very retrofitted approach so to speak what do you mean by retrofit retrofitted is where they're trying to fit in something new in their existing legislation ah gotcha right yeah. a slight departure from that if you look at eska eska has done a fantastic job of actually coming out with as he mentioned a broad and exhaustive paper which which will to say the least will at least start the conversation around mm. so many things which yeah. were earlier not spoken of So yeah. that's that's actually very fresh and very nice too. Absolutely. And I can imagine that because even when I was reading that paper it was yeah it was quite lengthy there was quite a lot to it and I just felt that if somebody were to actually wanted to you know respond to it add to it it would need you know not just an individual but a team you know a collective team like collective people like whether one lawyer one technical person one financial person because there's a lot of financial Correct. related things within that document so this broad approach i think it was a good way to start because they could try and invite as many people as possible so they get as many different opinions yeah that's yeah. why when it was a public consultation we had like as i said you know not yeah. just the crypto exchanges custodians but technology companies yeah. advising on it. Do you know how many people came in? Was there an influx of advisors coming in to like you know was, input on yeah. how to do this to I sway think, the movement? <laughs> I think there was a fair bit because they had to extend the deadline the as well. Okay. Oh. Fair yeah, so wow. and that typically would happen when they're like really overwhelmed with the responses. So is that is that with receiving the responses and then processing them and then getting back or is that just volume in so far it's been volume in okay. but okay. what typically would happen after a consultation paper is that they would revisit some of the recommendations and mm. if it's a consensus on it they would consider it and then it would become a law mm. any idea on the breakdown of who came in uh, lawyers no. technology companies exchanges no, okay. no, asset managers that sort of thing because obviously you've got the traditional old world financial industry yes. that are trying mm-hmm. to become digital and then you've got all these other ones that are completely digital and they're trying to eat that pie so there yeah. must have been a nice influx from both sides of the table yes i'm sure eska team would be <laughs> fairly busy with all the response <laughs> that they would have got because it it was quite surprising for us to see that how many people how many mm. clients of our globally reached out to us when this paper came mm. out so it was mm. not just from the region yeah but even globally from europe from the northern america from mexico who actually reached out to us and saying we've seen the paper can we discuss it with you so where where do you guys see so this is blending between blockchain crypto and then mm-hmm. fintech but where do you see regulation around whether you're a bank or whether you're not a bank but you're holding value which is sort of like a bank but it's not fiat or it is fiat or is a representation of fiat so what's going to happen where do you think it's all going to go with esca or with adgm or dfc in these regulations because technically if you build a wallet you're a bank you just yeah. providing custodianship of you had well, just had the keys yourself you could have wallets out yeah. in custodian yes yeah, and, so. and then it opens the debate like where you say i'm a social media company 
Mm. Can I do fintech services? So yeah. this this is a global discussion. It's yeah. not just talking at that. Yeah. It's, didn't see, Google see, it's, Google just like release current accounts for their? Yeah, yeah right. they yes. provide, they're providing yes. the functionality for the current accounts. Yes, but they're not banking and they're not providing the. Well, uh, not yet. The backend. <laughs> not I don't yet. think they will. I think they're smart enough to go after the data. No, <laughs> they're going after the data. They're it, not going after the responsibilities. I, I data think with, data with, the, with these tech companies, they're just you know they're they're just taking a slow approach. Mm. Yeah. They're saying, okay, it's like Apple, right? Apple Pay, use Apple Pay, right? We're not using Emirates MBD, we're using Apple, Apple Pay. Pay, but they're not yeah. responsible for the debt. Yes, but if they want, because now they're gaining trust, mm -hmm. they could if they wanted to open up a current. Well, now they open up a credit card. Don't they have a credit card? Apple. Yes, they do, right? but it's not. They're not. It's Goldman Sachs that has the responsibility, yes. I believe. But my whole point is, is that the the interface is going to be Apple. Oh, for sure, absolutely. Right? But but again, that's still pretty big because at the end of the day, more and more customers will be trusting this entity as their bank. It's like in China, you use WeChat yes. or Alipay. You don't use the you know the card, the, the bank banking. cards, you know that to mm -hmm. link up with it. It's not right. you use that wallet. And people think, oh, Alipay or WeChat are the bank. And that's why you see yeah. globally in the whole regulation space, either there are gray areas or there is overlapping. Because now technology is enabled that anybody could provide yep. those services. But when a regulator is looking at it, that how do I license? How do I regulate? How do I monitor these companies? They have their defined and set parameters. So if it's a fintech company, these are the regulations. So this is what you need to look at. But if you're a, just a technology company, which is enabling a fintech company to go ahead with their project, then it's a different license. But what we are now experiencing globally is that there's a major overlap in these services. Yeah. And a regulator always has to keep in mind not just what enabling the technology, but something consumer protection, investor protection. Let's throw out an idea right. here, right? Let's say you're, a, you're an, a technology company that has technology to build a bank, mm -hmm. right? Whether it's core banking or one of these existing companies or a new one, or you're a company that builds a wallet, mm -hmm. What would you come into the market as? Would you come in as a wallet company or would you come in as a, a company that can provide banking, a solution or create a niche bank or a niche Depending community Depending on what size service? of the company are we talking about, do you have the capital requirements or the caliber or the team or the operational and the industry experience mm -hmm. of actually running a bank? Because a bank or running a bank, the operations of it is a lot more than just mm -hmm. bringing in the technology. Yeah. So one the solution which everybody goes for is that, all right, I'll white label my product and let a bank or a fintech or a financial institute yep. use my services. That's how pretty much most of the startups would start to understand and gain that knowledge. Yep. And that that's what the approach most of our clients have taken mm -hmm. in this space. As much as they would want to go and revolutionize and saying, yep. hey, we're the next cool thing that needs to be there. We've always mm -hmm. advised them, learn the business. You know, you're a startup, you need to scale up. Day one, don't come up with ambitious plans, which you may not be able to live up to, not just because your technology is fantastic, but you don't have the experience. Yeah. And even, yeah, even from a regulator's perspective, laws around the technology may change. But one thing that is going to remain core to them is the investor and consumer protection. So between ADGM and ESCA, they have to venture into the fintech and the banking space, they have come out with various licenses, they have recognized issues of fiat tokens, they have recognized loyalty schemes, loyalty points, they have 
tried to come out with licenses for digital banks. So regulators within their space are trying to do their best, obviously, to be able to at least start a conversation around these new concepts. However, what they cannot do away with is maybe, you know, the investor and consumer protection yeah. angle to it. So let's say we're talking about just fintech and it could involve blockchain and it certainly will involve some sort of digital asset. Mm. We'll, we'll know whether it's backed or not. We'll see. But somebody's coming, let's say listeners outside are thinking, well, how would I come into the region? and start to understand what's going on over here. You know the space very, very well. Do they come in and call themselves a financial services company or a banking partner or a technology company? Because obviously perception is quite key here. If you come in and say, we're, we're going to build a bank, the red flag's going to go up, <laughs> yeah. everybody's going to be protectionism, and then the, the capital requirements are going to go through the roof. But if you come in and say, we're a technology company that provides white-labeled solutions, but the reality is you're You've got the stack. You just need the manpower and the, the regulatory power uh, backing. What would you suggest to them? We would suggest them to first come and understand the region. Yeah. Yeah. This region, you need to understand what's the law, what's the regulations, what's the culture, what's the market landscape? How does businesses grow here? What do traditional businesses have been? And then you decide and take a step of what you need to do. Like I'll give you an example. We were talking to a potential client yesterday from one of the African countries and they're doing it really well because they've been working mostly with the central banks and the solutions that they've been offering. They're actually as good as being a bank themselves. But they're very clear in their approach saying that, but we don't want to be a bank. Mm -hmm. We want to be a technology company that enables a bank to reach out, you know, to mm -hmm. provide the digital wallets, mm -hmm. do fiat to crypto exchange. So they have all those elements as a technology company and they're doing fairly well. But they've asked us that, can you tell us that how do we come to this region? And my approach has been, please do the same what you're doing in Africa. Work with the central bank, work with the commercial banks. Yep. And once you've gained that enough experience, why not apply mm. to the central bank and get the license? Oh, please, let's go to ADGM and let's look at the yeah. digital yeah. bank option. So what are the options then out there? So I always like to maintain that the beauty of UA is that within 200 miles of yeah. the country itself, you have three major players, three major regulators. You have a DIFC, you have an ADGM, you have an ESCA. Within the circle itself, you have crowdfunding options. You have the option of getting PSP licenses, payment service licenses. You have... You can have a crypto assets business. So there's actually a like literally a true level playing field here because within the circle, you have three major regulators who are giving you multiple options yeah. and can help you set up in the best manner possible. So I'm, I'm going to be devil's advocate here. I could see all of you are smiling <laughs> at me like that. Um, <laughs> I, I don't believe DRC is doing much. And as compared to the ADGM, I haven't seen them come out with any crypto stuff. The DRC, the Dubai International Financial Center. Uh, maybe I haven't seen anything. I don't know. Crypto, maybe. Okay, crypto yeah. is not something that DIFC has uh, mm -hmm. very openly come out with a license for. But they they were actually the first ones in the region to introduce the concept of the ITIL, Innovation Testing License. Yes. Very recently, we saw some crowdfunding platforms actually, you know, go live in the region, have yeah. an official setup here. They were the first ones to actually fathom the concept of sandbox yes. in the region in the first place. So it's it's choosing, you know, between. Yeah. So let's focus on fintech and not not yeah, look at not crypto. crypto. So as a whole, yeah. Yeah. that that shouldn't actually say that the regulator is not ready for it. So fintech Hive is doing a great program. Mm -hmm. We've got some yeah. clients, and we now actually in the process of going ahead with one client that is on a crowdfunding platform, mm -hmm. which has even a security token element. Yeah. Okay. So 
they're ready sense. to listen yeah. to it. Yeah. It's it's not a complete no that no we'll not do it. Yeah. But they're saying please discuss it with us. And as we said initially that if we have taken enough care about the customer protection, investor protection, mm. and we abide by what general principles of law or regulation should be, I don't mm. see a reason why not. Okay. Yeah. So it feels like it's more so okay if you're already in there and you want to change things up slowly, slowly, then it's they're more receptive to that. Yes. And then whatever regulations from the FSRA, whatever, could come later on. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Give a bit, of, a bit of advice on how you guys play the market and how you work to get them in. What sort of time frame do people normally sit in a sandbox for when it comes to the different areas in the UAE mm-hmm. and Bahrain, for example? On average, if it's a traditional fintech versus, let's say, a little bit more digital assets, cryptocurrency. So like some of the in-principle approvals for crypto exchange with ADGM. Is because of the heavy involvement of all the members mm. of from the technology, from the operations, from the risk management, from from the data protection, from AML, KYC, all team working with one regulator. It's it's been a time frame of nine to twelve months to okay. actually get those in principle approvals. They've just not said that. All right, you file your application and there yes, you go. Yeah. And this is a yes or a no. So so many times we've submitted our uh, drafts and they've come back with their comments, discussed it again. So it takes time, but they, when we say, you know, in, law, in our legal space, we say it's a job well done. Hmm. That you thought about pretty much whatever you could in, in the current space and then moved ahead. So that's a pretty good approach that both even Bahrain has taken around, I think, more than seven to eight months for those in principle approvals hmm. and the licenses to be issued out. And, and pretty much most of the sandboxes, there are major KPIs that need to be reached and Correct. tests and Correct. regulatory uh, reg tech type uh, approaches. What's the time frame you've seen people sitting in a sandbox before they graduate? Usually most regulators have their standards across, not only yeah. just in the region, but they, it will be anywhere between nine months to a year. Okay. And which will, depending on how the regulator sees you, they may extend it, let's say, up to two years or two and a half years. So we've seen players who have you know, managed to graduate right after one year. And yeah. then there have been, but that's the beauty of it because it's not like you're nowhere. Oh, I'm in the sandbox. I don't know what happens. I still have the option. I just mm. need to you know, grow a bit more. Nice. And that's the approach we've seen it even in Europe. In, in Europe, yeah. We were working on a consultation paper for Malta Financial Services mm, Authority mm. on the sandbox regime. It was quite nice to see that they were going for, we say, technology agnostic, but again, focusing mm. back on what the companies would be doing in their business planning space. Mm. So they had actually given a window of more than three months yeah. to just discuss just the to, business yeah. plan, So which, which is quite nice to see from a regulator's perspective. Interesting. So to go back to something that we talked about before before the podcast was, um, you guys were do, sort of looked into the different international, like the international regulatory landscape regarding crypto assets or digital assets. And these were the FCA in London, Malta. Yes, the, four different uh, jurisdictions, yeah. ADGM, Bahrain, ADGM, yep. uh, United Kingdom and Malta. Okay, which one do you like? And why? (laughs) (laughs) Wherever our clients are. Uh, (laughs) I like it all. What what a diplomatic answer. No, seriously, seriously. (laughs) To be honest, each one is pretty much similar to the other. Mm. They've gone by more of a market-driven approach. They've understood what what the current market situation is and based it around that. It's not extremely restrictive and saying that technology will not grow. Mm. They're open to it, so... It's been quite a... Yeah. I mean, as as Kokila mentioned, it's been actually a mixture of... So Malta, you may see that they have 
had the liberty of taking a new bringing on a new act all together adg three new acts three new acts actually yeah it, what does that mean three new acts like three new acts means it's completely new for us and we will create special ministries and special ah. new legislations around it and that so means it's not just one okay gotcha if you look at adgm adgm as i said they have introduced concept like fiat tokens you know they have mm-hmm. thought of Pretty concept like the first one in first the world one to in define the world. what a fiat token is yeah. yeah i think in the uk this is classified as like a e money like a e money token sort of thing where yeah. it's like e money license coin. is it did no, they no, define token against e money the e money yeah, regulation so, so apparently it was right i'm mean, correct me if i'm wrong it's under the regulated tokens they had mm-hmm. security tokens, tokens and an e money yeah. but e money is so is the one that sort of looks at stable coins and which could be fiat yes money so th- that's be, been yeah. left on an interpretation yeah, exactly okay, not gotcha. clearly it's, defined it's not clearly defined. it doesn't say yeah. it in as many because when it comes to stable coins you could have fiat collateralized you could have commodity collateralized Correct. you could have crypto collateralized which, yes. which we're seeing with maker dao and you could also have algorithmic which is not like collateralized <laughs> yes <laughs> it's really weird but yeah so which is interesting because they haven't really defined it they just said that the whole point is that to have a you just have a stable form of value yes there has to be a stable form of value yeah. or it needs to be backed by a stable currency yeah. or so where you say yeah. when a real asset at the back of it gotcha yeah a real asset which doesn't fall into the definition of a security gotcha okay so out of all these different things that you've seen all the different clients that like you've been dealing with and all the you know regulators that you speak into and all the new concepts that you've seen you can't dodge this but I want, I want to know <laughs> what is the most exciting thing in this what like is it security tokens is it you know programmable money is it bitcoin right bitcoin for sure it is the favorite what, what's the yes. what's the one thing that's like really exciting for Se- you for us it's yeah. definitely security tokens okay to okay. see the yeah. market opening up to that and regulations coming around mm-hmm. it and especially in this part of the world when we're looking at some really good projects coming around security tokens and at that same time when SK has come out with it with their framework then you can look at these projects and saying we're ready to go ahead mm. okay. we've been working on some projects especially in the entire real estate security tokens and financial instrument security tokens for quite some time mm. and we've been waiting for a federal law to come into this space because those are such projects which could not be done out of ADGM because mm. those are for the mainland companies that we've been working with a couple of things right as the technology matures it becomes commoditized and <laughs> almost anybody can do it then it sort of bleeds up to who's got the unique business model and then everybody starts copying that mm. and then it boils down to who's got the best brand and the customer service So what do you think is going to happen, right? Cuz financial services was always sort of like a locked out space. You have had to have big money to get in or you have to get the power behind the regulator. So let's just imagine that you can go start a, a wallet company in ADGM overnight and you can get the technology to work and you've got an amazing stack team and all this sort of thing. What's going to happen? Are we going to end up having like yet. 10, 15 new wallets come online? Is it going to be like a massive fight then for brand and positioning? Yes, Because, you will have major competition in the yeah. market. So everybody will have to up their game. It would no longer be like we we're not in a monopoly world anymore. Yeah. And even in the It's technology like space. Yeah. In the Middle East. 
<laughs> now we're opening out and we're opening out to international competition. So everybody will have to be up in the race and yeah. be ready. And it's no longer, uh, oh, because I'm the only one who's providing this service. No. Do you see it right now coming up in the Middle East? What, yes. Where, where do you, I mean, well, obviously, we see the banks consolidating, mm -hmm. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> yes. uh, launching fascia digital banks, which are not pure stack digital banks, but they are. there are a couple coming. There's one big one coming from a billionaire. Mm -hmm. So that'll be interesting. Which one? <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to say, but I think they know. And you know, maybe. Um, I do know. Yeah. So we talked about it on we all 10 know. episodes back. Yeah, everybody knows now, right? So do you see a particular space that's going to get mass trajectory right now, seeing that regulation is changing, the tech is mature now, it's, it's meeting the regulatory requirements? Uh, do you see them coming? Wallets or... Wallets again. Uh, bots, uh, advisory services, because that's more fintechy, but it's still, it might have a digital assets angle. Is your question more so on out of all this What's the stuff next boom? that you're seeing, what We're, is the next boom? Like Smart Crowd, they got the mm, IT, yeah. they got yeah. the full license. Full license yeah. Will they become sort of the next tech, you know, hot mm. tech thing that really is the boom yeah. thing right? in the region? Or, or right? will it be, you know, ownership? Um, yeah, you would need more of Smart Crowd platforms for it actually to become a boom. Yeah, you would need more players to come in. And that's what it's really nice for us to see both ADGM and the IFC opening up to smart crowdfunding platforms. That, I think, in this space, before ESCA comes out with yeah. the law, will be, yes, a big Okay, so, so smart crowdfunding, fractional yes, ownership type yeah. yes. stuff. Micro, you know, micro yeah, financing, micro investments, micro investments, micro investments actually thing. opening up to the retail world. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd say remittances. I'd say, I mean, I if you know, look, it's such if, a monopoly here right no, now. But if you look it, at, so if you look at AWOC, for example, if you look at AWOC, which mm -hmm. is an e-commerce platform here in the region, they've targeted low-income workers, which comprises most of the market, right? So they have literally millions of people as their target market. Mm. I mean, we could see, for example, one of these bigger exchange houses or remittance houses, they might UAE just exchange. deploy, yeah, yes. they'll, they'll be working. deploying, you know, whether it's on Ripple, whether it's on yep. Stellar, I don't know. Yes. That, that could be the, you know, the the next sort of big thing. And then they're the ones that's that currently happening with the remittance companies with like UAE exchange signing up with yep. Ripple yeah. and using their solution, using their services. Yeah. The, qu the question about the technology is you can just turn it on, yes. but you need to get the customers. Yeah. So yeah, our could become a financial services company and just say, well, we've got a digital wallet now for our, yeah. Purchases, yes. well, you can send it to through UA Exchange or directly to another country. They, they will then have to yeah, comply with to KYC and AML. <laughs> That's a good idea to go to them and say, yo. <laughs> In current situation, yeah. we would say through UAE Exchange, yes. not directly. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Because the law needs certain amendments for yes. you to actually do it directly. So do you see that coming online soon? Yes, where, we see where that. Where literally you're, in a, you're an e-commerce company, but suddenly you become a... Well, like uh, one company is becoming an e-commerce, becoming a bank. Yeah. That uh, we'll be seeing that hopefully soon. What I would like to actually highlight over here is that we're seeing this not just in UAE. We're yeah. actually seeing it at the pan-Arab level. Great. Mm. So we've been actually fortunate to be working with the Arab Monetary Fund and with their entire oh, fintech yeah. working group. And it's, it's quite interesting for us to work. And uh, I think it's a big feather in our cap to, yeah. <laughs> to, yeah. to be working with these regulators and Going through, going for the basic ecosystem that you need for these mm. fintech companies or company providing crypt, any sort of crypto services mm. to see that at the Arab Monetary Fund level where you have the central banks of 23 Arab countries and the governors, everybody collectively working for the growth of this space. Mm. So it's, it's a huge intention, initiative 
and the drive and you are actually seeing results. They would be very soon releasing out the papers on an overall fintech strategy for all the Arab mm -hmm. countries on digital identity, on digital KYC, cyber resilience, because all these yeah. need to be in yep. place. So one thing you mentioned, I think digital identity will mm -hmm. also be, it has to be there before, you know, all the other innovation that exactly. people are talking about, yes. you know, will actually come in. And I'm not saying digital identity on the blockchain. No, it could just be a simple, you know, public-private key pair, yes. which has a nice front end. And because I think some digital signature laws have been in place, kind this of, kind to of some mentioned extent. in yep. the UAE e-commerce e law, e-transactions yes. law in 2006, but a new law is being. Yeah, passed. and I think Smart Dubai is lobbying that as well yes. with the UAE passed thing, trying to ensure that you know you could use digital signatures mm -hmm. in most you know in most of your transactions most, yeah. you could do it and this Both law would be level, yes yeah. this law would be coming out pretty soon yeah and also in the entire digital kyc space if you don't have the regulations or an understanding of how this kyc would be done digitally no more physical documents mm. then we're actually beating the purpose of yeah, bringing yeah. in fintech this put you on the pedestal a little bit if if somebody went to sleep now mm -hmm. and they were told when to wake up to then come and just get it done in the region, no matter which country, <laughs> how how much time should they just hold off for a little bit? Right they can't now? sleep. They need to be <laughs> up and running. It's up happening and running right, right now. Yeah. But I've been here 15 years, so I know you need to come yeah. in, you need to micro tap and come in, come out, come in, come out, and start to understand it. But you know, come when you do that 10 times and it's still, it's not shifted a needle. We had this problem when solar energy started to come online, right? It took far too long. And the West had already done it. So it wasn't like they had to reinvent the wheel. They just had to copy it. We're sort of at a point now where... This time, it's actually the West is looking at us because exactly. not many of the countries in the world have legislations or regulations around cryptos. We're actually fortunate in the region, be it with Central Bank of Bahrain or ADGM, who've actually taken, and the world is mm. following. You, you, you still have the problems, it. though, with the global regulations around fiat and currency. Like Malta went really hardcore and then got itself in the trouble of the European Union yeah. because the other countries, either through jealousy or not being prepared and, oh my God, what just happened? They just became a market that could attract a lot. And obviously the, the banks started squeezing and then getting called in on their US dollar holdings and stuff like that. So being tied to US dollar. But still went ahead and did it. Still went ahead, but now they're suffering from it. Somebody has to take Exactly. The so that's, that's the question, say. right? The UAE is taking its time. It, it's ahead in certain areas. But because it's attached to the US dollar, where's that going to leave people when it comes to starting to involve fiat? I think for this question, let's go to Central Bank, all of us. Yeah. <laughs> have this discussion with them and saying, here we are, guys, can, let's can talk about it. Can you help us um, set that up? Yeah. Of course, let's, let's look at that. it. And that entire fintech institute that they're coming up with, I think yeah. that that's, again, yeah. is a great initiative. And we should look at that. How do yeah. we work with them in this space? 100%. I, I got to be honest, though, I've, I've been here long. I'm thinking, gosh. Maybe I should just skip the first 10 years, <laughs> stayed out, and then come in, in the last nine years. Yes. But then you think, all well, the relationships you built in the first 10 years are now the ones that have maybe gone to the positions of power and they've moved up the ranks, right? So it's a hard one, especially for a startup. They're coming into this region. Everything will appear harder to do. But once you get underneath, it's actually not that bad. It's not that it's, bad. Yeah. Because it's just about of, meeting the right people. Yes, yeah. meeting the right people, being in the right incubator. Yeah. If you're at a Hub 71 or a FinTech Hive, you know that, yes, these incubators are actually going to work for you. Yeah. you know, they are going to open the doors for you. It's not just doing the testing. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right. So we're running a bit out of time. So one final question I wanted to just sort of see your perspective on. If Bitcoin or Ethereum was falling off a cliff, which one would you choose and why? 
shouldn't answer this. <laughs> <laughs> well, you shouldn't answer this? Wow. Uh, Bitcoin. Okay. Yes. Whichever has a parachute out of the two. I love that. Okay, do you, do you eat your own dog food then? As in, do you accept Bitcoin as a form of payment? Okay. Yeah. Not just Bitcoin. We actually accept even uh, tokens from our clients who are oh, coming okay. out with new tokens. If we don't believe in what they're doing, gotcha. then we shouldn't be their legal customers. As long as they're on an exchange. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Awesome. And there's liquidity. Yes. <laughs> cool. If somebody wants to reach out to, to you guys, how could they reach out? Go to our website, www.karmadb.com and we're pretty much all over LinkedIn. <laughs> so awesome. for, for them to read the ESCA publishing mm -hmm. and to get what your input is on it, they can get that on the website yes. or they sign up for a newsletter? Yes, they, they sign up for a newsletter. Page? We recently came out with it. And as we said that our publication would be out soon, okay. which is a comparative analysis of all these crypto framework in the region. Awesome. It should be Great. there even on our website. Very nice. Great. Great. Thank you very Thank much. You. Thank you. That's awesome conversation. Thank you.